Welcome to the Giving Voice to Depression podcast, produced in partnership with Mental Health America of Wisconsin. We are your co-hosts, Bridget and Terry. Each week through intimate, candid conversations with guests, we explore different perspectives on and experiences of depression. We keep it real because the illness is real. We keep it hopeful because there truly is hope in spite of what depression tells you. We are not experts or therapists. We're sisters and best friends who live with depression and have interviewed hundreds of others who do as well. By sharing stories of lived experiences, we expose depression for the lying bully it is. Hello, Terry. Hello, Bridget. So today we are reviewing all of this season's episodes. We normally pause and take stock about every 10 episodes to remind ourselves and you of the precious information and reassurance our weekly guests offer. This time it's about 13 episodes since Suicide Prevention Month started and just didn't feel right to take a break. And frankly, in the midst of a global pandemic, I mean, listen to this list. I know, right? In the midst of a global pandemic... Racial violence, social unrest, a hospitalized president as of this recording, natural disasters of several varieties, a contentious and divisive election and culture, and all kinds of other stressors. Suicide Prevention Awareness Month could not have come at a better time. All of that stress and uncertainty is hard for everyone. Add anxiety and depression. Right? So... We stepped away from sides and deeply troubling statistics to speak intimately with people about their suicidal thoughts, attempts, losses, and do a deep dive into not just the need to tune into and protect ourselves, but to actually plan for our own wellness as well as a possible slip or crisis. As intense as some of these interviews were this season, we found some comfort in the one-on-one conversations that we were able to have and share. Maybe there's an even greater need for that now since so many channels of connection are closed. So we're going to start our run-through now, starting with episode 145, Could COVID-19 Finally Destigmatize Mental Illness? That was such an interesting thought to us that after we saw the question posed in an article, we tracked down its author, psychiatrist Jessie Gold. She hopes that with all of us continuing to live in the stressful, unfamiliar, and threatening environment of the COVID-19 pandemic, maybe this time will be an equalizer. Think about it. People who have never before consciously had their productivity, abilities, and overall well-being affected by something outside of their control suddenly find themselves living with what they might not even recognize as the invisible illness of depression, even as the symptoms worsen. But if you were to get help earlier on in the cycle, when you notice you're not sleeping well, not eating well, not as interested in the activities you were before. And that's not just for a day, it's like a week or two. And you're noticing that people around you are saying that you're not acting like yourself and asking you questions. Dr. Gold's full 17 minute episode, which definitely sparks some hope for the fight against stigma is number 145. Could COVID-19 finally destigmatize mental illness? Next is episode 146, The Impossible Task. This 18-minute episode not only gives us the perfect term for that thing we've done before without much trouble that suddenly seems 
insurmountable. But if you have depression, you will so relate to the conversation about this depression truth with our guest, author M. Molly Bacchus. One time when I was in a very bad depressive phase, um, I couldn't make my bed for some reason for an entire month. Um, I had the I had all, I had clean sheets <laughs> and they were folded and sitting on the edge of my bare mattress um, and they were all ready to go and all I had to do was stretch the sheets over my bare mattress and for whatever reason I just couldn't do it um, and so I ended up sleeping on the couch uh, with like just like an Afghan quilt for a month <laughs> a month um, and then. You know, things got easier, the darkness lifted a little, um, and then there was a day that I was able to make my bed, and I started sleeping in my bed again. The idea of the impossible task resonated so strongly with me that I wrote a confessional blog about how filing is my impossible task. You can read that on our website, givingvoicetodepression.com, and hear Molly's full episode, number 146, The Impossible Task, there as well. Oh, and there's also a blooper for that episode if you need a little smile. <laughs> In episode 147, Returning to Work, colleague and therapist Sayer Sultan talked about how depression and anxiety have worsened for some of her clients as a result of being home during the pandemic. While they and others are finding the stressors of returning to work to be a real challenge as well, and this was recorded in July, before more months of all of this. And so that's the hardest thing with um, treating um, mental health disorders when people um, begin used to feeling that way. They become very complacent with feeling that way. It is become the norm. And so we have to work effortlessly um, to help motivate them to get treatment and keep it maintained and keep it track. But I am seeing a lot of this is, as we thought we were excited to get out there as a population um, of us who are actually scared. The human brain does not like uncertainty, and we've all been living with it for a long time now. So whatever you're feeling, it's legit to feel that way. Mm -hmm. Reach out and talk to a therapist or someone that you trust if you're struggling. If our earlier guest's thesis is correct, there should be more people than ever who might reply, yeah, me too. That full episode again is 147, Returning to Work. Mental Health on the COVID Frontline is episode 148. In it, we speak with Christy, a Wisconsin hospital chaplain who offers us a peek behind the curtain at the people she works with and for who are dealing with all of today's challenges plus the life and death of their profession as they experience this pandemic from a front row seat few of us have. You know, the work is intense when you're dealing with life and death, but the presence of COVID, the influence of the social uprising, injustice, mm -hmm. it's raw. It's, it's, it's pretty raw, and I've not seen anything like it in my time as a chaplain here. And what does that look and feel like in a hospital? Well... The hospital I work at is socially diverse, and you have associates that were already feeling the strain and the stress, feeling even more vulnerable. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of a metaphor of maybe a, a, 
a panel that um, had some some light switches off, um, but the other ones were glaring, called COVID. Well, now you've got these other triggers that have been triggered, which are wounding, wounds of injustice in their own lives that are now lit and visible. And I have seen unspoken emotional overwhelm, emotional inflammation Hmm. that has been just taking an already challenging situation and making it even more so. Christie's 21-minute interview is number 148, Mental Health on the COVID Frontline. Episode 149 and 150 are conversations with Michelle Yang, whose life story really illustrates the dangers of stigma. Her bipolar disorder and anxiety went undiagnosed and untreated for decades, despite her pleas for help, because of her parents' fear that their daughter being labeled mentally ill would prevent her from getting into a good college or marrying. But Michelle's life is also a powerful testimony to the roles of resilience and recovery and creating a life that includes, but is not defined by a diagnosis. Honestly, when you're going through it, you just think everything is the end of the world, right? Yes. (laughs) Right? Um, And so you just think, oh my gosh, my life is over. It's the end of the world. I've just messed everything up. I can't come back from this. Who can come back from this? Nobody can come back from this. Like that's that's the spiral, right? That's... Yeah, it's like my life is over is the is the spiral. And so for somebody to kind of stop you, shake you and go like, it's going to be okay. You can take a break. That's what happened. I took a break. Michelle came back from that break. Hers was from college to not only finish her degree, but earn a second degree. Have a great career, marry, have a child, all the things that she wanted, but had been convinced because of her illness, may not be possible or accessible. Michelle shared her story in episodes 149 and 150, Stigma versus Recovery, parts one and two. Episode 151, Putting the Brakes on a Racing Mind, is a look at the cycles of negative thoughts, self-shame, blame, doubt, and self-criticism. Our guest, author Dr. Stephen C. Hayes, explains how acceptance and commitment therapy also called ACT or ACT therapy, can help get out of your mind and into your life. His 21-minute episode could help you regain some control over your controlling thoughts. We all have those voices in, in our head and, and a single voice commonly, you know, the sort of advisor. And we want that voice for certain things, you know, watch out, uh, you know, no, that's not the way to do your taxes. Uh, if you don't do this, your car will break down. But that same voice will turn on you and turn your life from a process to be lived to a problem to be solved. And, and once you are more like a math problem than a sunset, you're in trouble. I think you know that you're being being wrapped around the axle of that process when you get into a situation that requires uh, new things and you find yourself unable to move forward and you find yourself circling around the same bush of self-criticism, blame, guilt, shame. And that's almost always pushed forward by a voice, by by a decision, by a thought process that becomes too dominant 
And frankly, the problem-solving mind doesn't know everything. There's things you know that you don't even know verbally that are intuitive or things that are felt senses. And if you don't open up to that, then you're kind of flying blind. You're trying to sort of almost live your life as a computer program instead of a whole person. This episode features a guest interviewer and co-host since I was getting certified as a peer specialist. Our thanks again to Roseanne, my colleague from our reporter days, for helping out. Depression is a mental illness that affects how we think, feel, and act. Even those who've made the effort to learn depression symptoms and warning signs still often expect depression to look like sadness. That leads us to missing the opportunity to help many who present differently like children. In episode 152, Children and Depression, Susan Ringle, a registered play therapist in Wisconsin, shares her behind-the-scenes expertise and tells us what to look for in people who don't have the words to tell us what's going on in their minds and bodies. For kids, it can look as simple as uh, regressive behavior. They start acting like they're a lot younger than they are. Um, they like to go back to that time when life was simpler, didn't have to make so many decisions, didn't have so many problems. Lots of feelings of guilt and shame. Shame is much worse than guilt. Guilt is I did something wrong. Shame is I am something wrong. And you'll hear kids say things like, I'm no good, I'm worthless, don't even bother with me, why bother is a big phrase uh, you'll hear a lot. And again, the somatoform disorders, the tummy aches, the headaches. Ringle's full episode number 152 is about 19 minutes long and is simply called Children and Depression. September was Suicide Prevention and Suicide Prevention Awareness Month, and some beautiful people stepped up to share their lived experience in the hope of offering hope. We began with Bob and episode number 153, How the Lies I Believed Led Me to Attempt Suicide. Speaking about his suicide attempt, this publicly for the first time, Bob talks about the dangerous thoughts depression plants in our minds— how believing them can literally kill you, and about living a life of recovery post-attempt. I think for me, it became sort of twofold. One was, I'm tired of feeling this way. I just, I, I'm, not, I'm not functioning. I'm no good to anyone this way. Um, let me get out of the way so other people can just live their life without having to worry about poor Bob. Um, It started there and then it manifested into, I just can't do this anymore. I just can't. I just can't. I can't live this way. And there is only one way out because I can't fight anymore and I can't disappoint people anymore. And I can't drag down other people's lives. So I'm just going to get out of the way and be done and everyone will be happy and I'll be at peace. If Bob's comments sound like thoughts you are having or have had, please find 24 minutes when you can clear the space to listen to his story and how very much his mindset and life have improved. Again, it is episode 153, How the Lies I Believed Led Me to Attempt Suicide. Don't Give Up, Please, From the Edge has got to be among the most powerful episodes we've produced. From more than 200 of our interviews, we've compiled comments and advice from several guests, including suicide attempt survivors, 
and those like many for whom suicidal ideation is a symptom of their depression. We wanted anyone who needed to hear it, to hear it from the mouths of people who get it, that suicide is not the answer, that there are ways to end the pain without ending your life, and that there is life on the other side. In this one minute snippet, you'll hear from Ken, one of the rare survivors of an attempt from the Golden Gate Bridge. It hurt me so much to understand that all the people that I loved, they would never know that it wasn't about them. And they would always have this guilt. I should have stopped him. I should have seen it. I don't know what happened. I would have really changed their lives forever for the worse. And beyond that, did you connect with a will to live? In the water, I was swimming and I was saying, somebody please save me, somebody please save me. I wanna live, I wanna live. I, I realized that the things that I felt were unfixable, my failure, were actually very fixable. Wow. And, and that's, that's a huge part of it is that I, I did realize that this pain didn't have to go on forever. I needed help. But it didn't have to go on forever. That was my realization on the way down. Again, we acknowledge it's an intense episode. But how many people have access to the words of so many people who have experienced similar things and who took the time to sit with us and share in hopes that they'd reach the ears of other people who are in or near crisis? If that's you, please believe these survivors who are all living lives worth living. And call a friend, relative, hotline, or reach out in whatever ways will keep you safe until you are more well. Again, that full episode is available by searching for Don't Give Up, Please from the Edge. We'll also link to all episodes mentioned in this episode. While reaching out can lighten a burden provide needed distraction, or bring life-saving attention and support. There are things we can and need to do way before we're in crisis to care for and protect ourselves. Just as for most other illnesses, waiting until stage four is never a good or safe idea. In episode 156 and 157, we walk through making a safety and crisis plan to help us maintain and manage our mental health. Planning when we're clear-minded can help us keep control when we're not. Our guest is Katrina Koppel, an advanced-level RAP facilitator. RAP is an acronym for Wellness Recovery Action Plan. That each one of these, you know, the, the triggers, the early warning signs when things are breaking down is a progression. And so being able to recognize those moments will assist you in initiating the plan of, okay, I know the exact thing that I need because this crisis may be coming quick. One of the things about mental health struggles is you can go from triggers to when things are breaking down very quickly. You can find a free PDF outline of the plan in a link with this episode. That's the guide we used for our conversation, and you can fill it out with Katrina's help or alone. Again, those are episode 156, a plan to keep you well and safe, and 157, planning for a possible mental health crisis. Wow, we know that was a lot. Links to all episodes in this past season will be linked to in this episode. 
We're going to take a couple weeks off to start interviews for the new season. But please stay in touch on the Giving Voice to Depression Facebook community page for daily posts and support from a highly engaged and understanding group of people who get it. There's also a button there that just says uh, contact us, I think, and you can reach us. If you have any ideas for upcoming episodes or comments on any of the ones you just heard, we would love to hear your feedback and ideas. We really, truly would. October continues to be a strange and unpredictable time. So please take care of yourselves and each other. Thanks for listening. I'm mom's favorite. (laughs) I'm mom's favorite. We truly hope that our podcast brings a little more understanding, helps you better articulate your experience of depression, or better understand how to support someone else's. We invite you to join us for daily posts on the Giving Voice to Depression Facebook page and on Twitter and Instagram at Voice Depression. It is a comfort to be among fellow travelers on Depression's Dark Road. And remember, if you're struggling, speak up. If someone else is, listen up.